semester, U of L, we made it almost, right? I guess Thanksgiving break will be here this week and then it's finals. Uh, but then that's a wrap on fall 2020. And uh, the good news is it will not be a wrap on our podcast as you can listen to us over and over while you study. Maybe use this episode as some food for your soul while you fill up on food for your body this week. I don't know. Uh, and then we'll get back here with another episode or two through December so that your questions keep getting answered. And uh, we keep getting to feel super cool talking to a microphone and imagining our massive listening audience loves every word. So if you're joining us for the first time, I am Mitchell and I am joined by some of our crew here for episode seven of the Lou Crew and You. Plus, we've got a special guest today. Very excited. They'll all say hey in a moment. Um, but before that, I wanted to officially thank you for listening as we record here from the campus of the University of Louisville in wild and weird Louisville. Pronounced that way, Louisville. I'm very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, this podcast is put on by Cardinal student members of the Campus Organization Crew, which is a movement for Christ aimed at knowing God and making Him known. Uh, and the point of this podcast, despite all of the uh, you know raucous fun you'll hear us have, is uh, is a serious one. We aim to answer the real questions from real students to the prompt: If you could ask God one thing, what would it be? And we do this by examining the question in the context of scripture, our own experiences, and the expertise of others. And we do it as students so that we are relatable to you as our student listeners. If you're seeking answers and connection to something greater from someone who has gone through the same processes and is in the same place as you, you've come to the perfect starting place. So with that, what's up, Jimmy and Lauren? Yo, 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 what's up? (laughs) What's up? A hearty hello to you all. (laughs) Uh, Hey, y'all, so good to be back with you again. Super stoked for this episode. And we've got John Dunn in the house today to fill in for the incredible Alexis Beckham, who we are praying for health and safety. She is out today. Uh, But John is here with us. He's making podcast history as our first ever guest. Whoa. John's... (laughs) Career highlights include a biology degree he has never used, <laughs> and an incredible imitation of Stitch. Yes. That's right. <laughs> there it is. He is also an amateur professional photographer. So thanks for joining us, John. <laughs> glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. So our episode today centers around the following uh, question answer, how do I love my enemies? But before we dive into that, we're going to warm up with our new favorite segment and discuss a couple of attention-grabbing headlines that we have found on the line in this last week. So to start us off on the line here, I think this is absolutely hilarious. Um, so obviously we know it's COVID season and uh, COVID year, honestly, but people still got to get baptized. And so Catholic priests are getting really creative during this pandemic and they're blessing people with holy water by either drive-bys or they're even baptizing babies by using water guns. <laughs> because, you know, you gotta, gotta socially distance, but you still gotta get your babies baptized. So they just squirt them with holy water through those squirt guns. So, you know, it's, it's whatever works, I guess, during this season. Yeah, and uh, churches are also uh, getting creative during the pandemic with uh, kind of mixing up their outdoor signs that you see as you drive by. So a few examples we have uh, of that for you. One is... Live, laugh, love, Lysol. And then there's also, join us Sunday. We have Jesus and toilet paper. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, a couple other signs. Jesus can wash away sin, but you've still got to wash your hands. Uh, and wash your hands and say your prayers because Jesus and germs are everywhere. That's the truth. <laughs> and another one was, uh, give us clean hands. Give us 
Purel Hearts. Purel. Another one with Jesus cleans the heart and we disinfect the pew. And yeah. So, yeah. you know, gotta keep it creative during these times. Oh, I love those. Disinfect the pew, the pew pew of the water gun that you use to baptize babies. <laughs> So good. It's all connected. I love that. I, I always love driving by. There was a church in our neighborhood that always had really funny signs when I was growing up. But maybe I need to visit them again and see what they've come up with at this time. Maybe they were one of those ones that we just listed. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be cool. Man, that was that was fun. I love that on the line segment. Uh, again, if you weren't with us last week, we are doing that now. Uh, our on the line, anything we find that's kind of funny, quirky. Uh, it may be sort of related to the uh, you know Christian lifestyle. If you find anything, send it to us. We'd love to feature it in our next episode. Y'all, it's deep dive time. So in the spirit of Thanksgiving, let's get into the turkey and potatoes of this episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here Sorry. for it. <laughs> uh, as Lauren said, we're going to evaluate the question, how do I love my enemies? Uh, we thought that this was a perfect episode as many of us head home for the extended holidays, uh, and it may start to seem kind of tough to love even our friends and family. Um, but, you know, we've gotten a lot of submissions asking how to love our enemies. So, you know, in fact, as we address this question, we want to acknowledge that even though, you know, those of you who asked us something related to this topic had specifically mentioned enemies, there is a lot to be said about how to properly love your family and friends as well. Yeah, that's that's right. Uh, so uh, we want to break that down, and first we want to talk about what is love. What is love? Yeah, that's the universal question, right? First ever posed by Hadaway. Yeah, they really had a way of asking the important questions. Am I right? Uh, so once uh, once we've got an idea of what biblical love actually is, we can talk about first how to love our enemies. Second, how to love family. And finally, third, how to love friends. And so, yeah, we're going to jump right in with that question that John posed of what even is love? So, coming from a biblical perspective, and um, the Bible is our foundation, we want to start there as far as what is that? What's this word we always use throughout the day? Um, to start us off, we're going to have a quote um, from a great uh, Christian pastor, uh, Vadi Bakum. And um, the quote is, uh, Biblical love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. I think that's a really good summation, uh, but just to dive deep into uh, that quote a little bit for our scriptural foundation, uh, there's a couple of verses that I want to read. But before we do that, I want to break down the New Testament has several words uh, for love that it uses. And the English language is kind of limited. We only have the one word, love, so we can love pizza, we can also love our mom. Hopefully you don't do that in the same way. I hope not. Um, um, but we only have one word, and, and that's kind of limiting. The uh, Greek, the ancient Greek, had four words. It had storge, and that is that family protective love. And um, it also had eros, which is that passionate, romantic, um, sexual love. And then it also had phileo, which is where we get Philadelphia from, and philanthropy. but that's brotherly love, kind of like friendship and a strong, a strong friendship bond. Like you and I have, Jimmy. Exactly. <laughs> just, like, just like Mitch and I. We phileo each other. <laughs> uh, but then there's also a fourth word uh, for love called agape. And that is actually the uh, divine love that is directed towards God, um, that we are supposed to direct towards God. Um, and 
So when we talk about love, know that there's, there's, and everyone knows there's more to the word, but the New Testament actually has different words for it. And to break that down even further, so in John 21, verse 15, there's actually an exchange between Jesus and Peter. And, it's, and it says this, And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Then a third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And it's funny because when you break down the language, when Jesus is asking the question to Peter, do you love me? He's using the word agape there, mm. asking him. That's that unconditional divine love that we're supposed to have towards God. But then when Peter is answering back and he says, you know that I love you, he uses the word phileo, which is that friendship love. And that, I think that's part of the reason why Jesus is asking him over and over again. There's many reasons that, that people think, why well, ask him three times? But I think one of the reasons is Jesus was trying to see if Peter would respond with that unconditional divine love that you're supposed to have towards God um, when you're in communion with him. But he answered back with phileo, which is still a strong, you know, still brotherly love. That's friendship love, but that's not what you're supposed to have towards God. And I think, so the biblical version of love starts at a foundation with who Jesus is and who God is. It comes from God. Um, in fact, the Bible even says uh, in John 4, 7, 12, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not uh, love does not know God, because God is love. So a biblical foundation of love is that it does not originate from us. It is not a feeling that we have, or we just happen to fall into it. Um, people say, oh, you know, fell in love, fell out of love. Um, but a biblical view of love, especially that agape love, is God comes from God, and said, the Bible even says we love because God first loved us, um, and we cannot love outside of God because God is love. And again, it's breaking down that, the different words, um, but yeah, it's not a feeling you have, it's a, as Vaudi said, it's a, it's a commitment, it's an act of the will. Um, and then something else I really want to highlight on just to start this episode off right is love is also has to do with action in the sense of obeying God. So all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, there's a lot of verses, I'm always not going to read all of them, but the Bible talks about how love is always accompanied with loving his commandments and following his commandments. So in Deut Deuteronomy 11.1, 1, it says, Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Um, and this is also followed up um, in, the New, in the New Testament where it says in 1 John 2.3.6, now by this we know that we know him, um, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. And so, I just want to get a good foundation uh, for the start of this episode as we go in. We're not talking about some feeling that like, if, you, if you don't feel like you love your parents, or you don't feel like you love your friends or enemies, then I guess you just don't. That's not what biblical love is. Biblical love is an act of will that is followed by um, an actual action in the world, by obeying, by serving, um, and it's, it comes not from yourself, it comes from God. 
um, and it's also a commandment from God to love. And so I think that's a good foundation. I don't know if anybody else wants to jump in here at this point uh, to get your thoughts on that, but I think that's just a good way to start out this question of how do we love our enemies? It's like, how do we love in general? <laughs> what is love? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, oh, yeah, so. no, no I, I, so that's absolutely right. I think that's so important. Thank you for, for defining that for us, Jimmy, because, yeah, how, how do I love my enemies? Well, we got to know what love is before we can say how to do something. You have to know how to do something or what something is before you know how to do it. Um, and I got to say, too, that uh, just studying of that passage from John, um, like blew my mind when we did that uh just like that little things like how the difference in the in the types of love mm-hmm. that you don't get when you read it just in the um english version because it mm-hmm. just says love but you know understanding the original version of that like blew my mind the first time it's kind of mm-hmm. really cool to do that sort of thing and to explore it a little more so yeah now that we know what love is how do we love our enemies yeah, so so God is love, right? The world's full of love, but life is full of enemies too, right? Like that's how it's supposed to be, yeah? It's in, in the movies and all the good books you read. Every comic has an antagonist. Will Harry Potter even be any good without Voldemort or Malfoy? Or, let's be real, the worst of them all, Umbridge. And so, yeah, so, you know, this question of like, I need to be hating someone to be living correctly, right? Um and we would say wrong. <laughs> uh, so in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 and 44, it's Jesus speaking. And he says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. And so, you know, in biblical times, yeah, the, the Pharisees, or the they were legalistic Jews, um, they explained and applied the Old Testament command and law as though they were to hate their enemies. But Jesus' application was the actual literal opposite. Um, he said, love for one's neighbor should extend even to those neighbors who are enemies. So the Old Testament taught that God's people should actually strive to do good to their enemies. So even those who are enemies are people who are made in the image of God. I think that's really important for us to remember um, that we are all image bearers of God. Uh, He loves them even though they're enemies of his cross. He loved them even while they were cursing him, beating him, shouting for him to be crucified. And so if he can love them despite their hatred toward him, who then are we to withhold love from them? Yeah, so, but, I mean, that has to be a typo, right? Like, we can't love our enemies. What about those What about those terrible people in the dorm room next to you that party all the time, and you're also pretty sure stole a few of your packages, and even those nasty things are, like, what about, like, we even see in the Bible, like, people praying for the destruction of their enemies. Yeah. What, mm-hmm. what about that? Hmm. Yeah, or also, what about the folks who, they actually stole my cousin and his roommates, their picnic tables, while, while they were all stuck inside, quarantined with COVID. Um, that just, yeah, like, uh, shout out to my cousin Isaac. Glad you're doing better, bud. Um, but, you know, but like, uh, that just doesn't seem very neighborly, right? Um, well, John Piper, uh, we love him, great pastor, great theologian. Um, and he, he actually, he said this, so... He says, neighbor is not just friends and brothers. One of the reasons we know Jesus thought it was wrong to interpret the word neighbor merely as friend or brother or comrade is uh, if you look in Luke 10, verse 29, when Jesus was asked, who is my neighbor? He answered by telling the parable of the good Samaritan. 
In that parable, the man who loved was a Samaritan, and the wounded man whom he loved was a Jew. And see, the Jews and Samaritans were anything but friends and brothers. They actually had nothing to do with each other. They were religious and racial animosities. So Jesus doesn't just say, I have two commands, one that you love your neighbor and one that you love your enemy. Like, no, he says, Mm -hmm. I have one command, love your neighbor, and I mean, even if he is an enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think that's really, really helpful framework for us to even just define what did Jesus mean when he said to love our neighbor. What if we use that phrase a lot now, make sure to love your neighbor, um, who who are our neighbors, and it's anyone around us, not just Mm -hmm. select people. Um, And so also in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36, um, I just love this passage. It says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. See, we hear it again. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We know that is the golden rule. Uh, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Um, and I love this too. In Proverbs twenty four seventeen, it says, Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles. It should deeply sadden us when our enemies are suffering or struggling. It should break our hearts that they're lost and dead in their sins apart from Christ. Our society or culture would actually tell us to seek revenge on our enemies, but the Bible actually says that the ven- vengeance is his. Um, and we find that in another really great passage, um, Paul writing in Romans 12, verses 9 through 21. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Again, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, 
but overcome evil with good. I just have to say, that's pretty cool to think of God as an avenger. Um, <laughs> so he's the original avenger, <laughs> yes. just oh so we're all clear. Uh, yeah, I just had to say that. Um, but yeah, this idea of like, whoa, Lauren, what does that mean? Like we're supposed to heat burning coals on people's heads. Um, <laughs> like what, are, yeah, what are we talking about there? Well, I have a little like example that's helpful. So my sweet, sweet God-fearing Nana, love her so <laughs> much. Um, she, back when she wasn't retired and she had a consistent job, she was a lunch lady. Um, there was this coworker she had, this woman there who, for whatever reason, was just really, really like rude and mean to mm. my sweet Nana, which obviously had me up in arms because I love her to death. But uh, yeah, I couldn't understand like why was this woman giving mm. my Nana the cold shoulder uh, when they were at work together? Well, one day, well, my Nana was telling me about this and she said, Lauren, I've been praying and I really just think I'm God wants me to buy her some flowers. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, really what? And she said, yeah, I think I'm going to buy her some flowers and just write her a little sweet note and see what happens. So we kind of did this experiment. She buys some flowers and leaves a sweet little note, genuine note to this lady who was being so mean to her. And I kid you not, y'all, like the next day at work, like, of course, I was so curious how it went. So I talked on the phone to my Nana and she was just super giddy. She was like, this lady, she she really did not know what to do with herself, like how to respond. She was so shocked that, that I left her this gift at, at no cost, just out of the, the goodness of my heart. Uh, and it's this idea of kill them with kindness. You know, we mm-hmm. use that phrase. Mm-hmm. That is kind of a, a simple parallel of what it means to heat burning coals on his head. So what she did was by by buying these flowers and just writing a sweet note um, and having a sweet attitude, it uh, it was like heaping burning coals on this woman's head. She did, couldn't understand, wait, why, I clearly don't deserve to be treated with kindness because I've been really rude. But it, it definitely... It changed their relationship, the dynamic of their relationship, and they actually became friends, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. you're if you're kind to your enemies, sometimes not always, but you may they may not end up being your enemies anymore. Right. Yeah. It's much she easier to be friend. kind to your friends. Yeah. Now you have friends. Yeah. It's much easier, right? And that's fantastic. That's uh, such a good story, and I feel like that happens quite often. And uh, yeah, it's it's really powerful. Yeah. I think, oh, go ahead. I think something else that that you mentioned, Lauren, that's also just so not even common just don't it's encouraged in our culture is what you said about getting revenge and even if it's not revenge like maybe maybe culture is not actively telling you to go get revenge although a lot of times it is it's more of that passive like i'm not going to do anything to them but if something bad does happen to them i'm going to make sure and repost it and let people know and talk about it <laughs> like, and that's true though like it's like maybe you didn't do anything so you don't feel guilty but then when something bad does happen to this person you don't like you gotta make sure and tell people about it and be like, can you believe this happened? Like, it's so, and like laugh about it. It's like, why do you do that? Because, like, they're your enemies. Why would you want good to happen to them? And the Bible is flying in the face of that and saying, no, not only should you not, like, talk bad about them when something happens to them, you should actively go and go out of your way to buy them flowers, to <laughs> do something nice for them and not expect anything in return. If a friend does come out of it, like, awesome, but, like, you should just love. Like, mm-hmm. that should just be mm-hmm. an outflowing from the love you've received from, from Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, it's just amazing how countercultural mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bible always it's really is. Crazy. Um, Mitch, you mentioned this earlier. Um, so, in the Bible, even in the Psalms, there are sections where David is just cursing his enemies and wanting them to die. And so, like, yeah, we, we still have to come to that. And, you know, we say, like, the, the Christian example is countercultural. 
But then we look at the Psalms and we're like, well, that doesn't seem very countercultural. That seems to be playing right into it. That's, man, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, how can we say that and speak out of both sides of our mouth? Um, but I think that we even have to look at the life of David whenever we say something like that. Who was David's mortal enemy? Who was his greatest enemy? Saul. Mm-hmm. Um, Saul pursued him. Saul tried to overtake him, tried to kill him on multiple occasions. And so many of the Psalms are actually written about this. And even David was wanting him, his pursuers, his adversaries to be stricken down by the Lord. And yet what does Saul do, or what does David do whenever Saul dies? He weeps. Mm-hmm. He mourns. Wow, that's so true. And whenever... Uh, the, this, this guy comes to David and brags about killing Saul, and he hadn't killed Saul, but he thought that he would basically he would, he would get rewarded if he was seen to be the person that killed Saul. And what did David do? He had that guy put to death because he had such love and admiration for Saul as the king, Saul as the Lord's anointed. And so, mm. yeah, he in many ways, wanted the Lord to strike down his enemies. But I think that what we see there is the difference between divine wrath and human wrath. Mm -hmm. And so I think what David was saying in those Psalms is that he wanted the Lord to ultimately do justice. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that he wished death upon Saul. He could have killed Saul on multiple occasions personally. He had the opportunity to and didn't take it. Because he knew that vengeance belonged to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, that being said, um, <laughs> well, I just wanted to not to maybe even step on the uh, the toes of our ending lightning round a little bit. I, I'm not <laughs> sure, but or also to put anybody on the spot. But so we've got all of this incredible stuff that Lauren's gone through and um, talking about what it mean, you know, what it means to and Jimmy talking about what it means to love our enemies, um, you know. But okay, so how? How do we love our enemies? Just like, what are like three things I can do right now mm. to love my enemy? Mm. Real quick. First one that comes to mind, pray for them. Yes. Yeah. Like my Nana, her first, if you remember that story, first thought she had, like, I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but that she took it to the Lord in prayer, mm-hmm. was honest about the hurt she was experiencing, but also prayed for this woman mm-hmm. who was treating her that way and prayed and asked God, how would you have me care for her? Mm. Um, so I think prayer is the first step. Yeah. I think, I think the second step is, stop doing the hurtful things like 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 i don't know if that that doesn't seem obvious but like being honest how can i love my enemies stop talking bad about them Mm. (laughs) like (laughs) like, what an awful idea but like i mean i'm guilty too hey i mean i'll be the first to admit i've talked bad about people yeah like i have I i try not to and like it's something that you 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 try not to do but i think that's step two it's like okay pray about it but then also like in your own life don't talk bad about them. If somebody else brings something to you, like be like, oh, that's sad that that happened to them. Instead of feeding into it and yeah. like and going in, into the in that asking the Lord to help soften your heart and to not view them as enemies anymore. Yeah, um, I think that ties in with that as well. And I think I think maybe a third thing to just right off of that kind of goes hand in hand. Maybe you can stop talking bad about them. But that's an absence of maybe now you can start talking good about them or mm-hmm. thinking good about them actively trying yeah. to find. Uh, the good pieces of that yeah. person. Or buy them flowers. <laughs> buy them flowers. flowers. Yeah. Chocolates. Yeah, life's like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. You may end up with a friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be a weird chocolate box. Yeah. Well, anywho. 
Is this where I talk more? <laughs> it is, John. Okay. We'd love to hear from you. Man. That's awesome. So, again, hello. I'm John. I'm waving at a microphone. That doesn't do a lot of good for you listeners. But, um, yeah, I'm John Dunn. I'm on staff with crew here at the University of Louisville. Go Cards slash Go Tops. That's my alma mater. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> Um, degree, if we're that doing degree that. you don't use. <laughs> that degree I don't use with biology. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so um, yeah, we, we've talked a bit about uh, not family dynamics. That's what I'm talking about. Right. We've talked about how do we love our enemies. We've talked about what is love generally. Um, so yeah, I'll be talking a bit about what does it look like to love our families, especially as we're going into this uh, Thanksgiving time. I know a lot of us are going to be around our uh, second cousin twice removed that we've seen once in the past 15 years. Who may have had a picnic table stolen from him. Right, it happens. It happens. And so we, yeah, I think a lot of us are going to step into the next weeks and some of us are going to really, really wonder, how do I love my family well? Some of us, I think, are going to just feel hurt coming from our family and want to really avoid them as much as we possibly can. I think some of us also just don't really care. Um, I know that I've definitely gone through seasons of my own life where my view towards my family has just been kind of like, ah, whatever, you know, it's fine. I'll sit around, I'll have some food with them, and then I can go in my room and scream into my pillow, and it'll be okay. Um, but that's that's not what biblical love does. That's not what true familial love does. Even if we're not talking about the biblical category of agape love, and we're talking about storge um, that familial love. I think the Bible also has a much more rounded, much more beautiful definition of that type of love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, actually, be- before we do that, though, I, I want to circle back around just for a moment to what Jimmy was talking about earlier, just talking about what love is. Um, because I was just thinking about this. This is just such a really cool connection, or at least I think so. So, um, I think that this also helps us whenever we're considering family. Um, So if God is the very definition of love, um, so he, well, first let me say he, he does love, like he shows love towards us. But I think even more than that, he is what love is. Like he is not, he, we don't just look at the definitions that we have of love and say, that looks like God. We actually have to look at God and say, that's what love looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Like he is what love is. Um, and so we can know what love is because of his word. We've been given the very word of God. And so we can read, we can know God through that. Um, but here's, I think just a really great connection for us. So scripture tells us that God is love. It also describes Jesus as God. It also says that Jesus is the word. So if we follow that logical progression, The word is Jesus, Jesus is God, and God is love. So how can we know what love is? The Bible, the scripture, the word. It's just math. It's math, (laughs) yeah, it's it's easy. Like there's a reason why basically like we're talking, we're chatting, we're making weird jokes, but I mean the bulk of this is really like biblical references, and there's a reason why, because If we're trying to figure out what love is, coming from our own experiential understanding of love, we're always going to fall flat because Mm -hmm. our view of love is always broken. Mm -hmm. Um, But God's love towards us, and really even more than that, his just being love itself, that can inform us about, like, how how do I 
transform myself even more than that? How does the how should the spirit transform me mm-hmm. to look more like the love that God has and is? Um, so the Bible is often described as God's love letter to his people, but I think you could also say it is love itself displayed by ink and pen. And so um, even as we consider that, I think that that really should inform how we consider our families. Um, like, I don't know about you guys, but my family didn't read a lot of scripture whenever I was growing up. Um, Mine actually mocked me for reading yeah? my Bible. Yeah. Man, that's, that's no fun. Yeah. Um, and so I think even when we're going into our families, like if we're going to go back to our families and try to go in there uninformed by the word of God, we're going to fall flat on our faces. And I know I do that so often. So mm-hmm. I'll come home and I won't read my, my Bible while I'm there because I'm in a different environment. Mm-hmm. It's not normal. Um, or we've just got a bunch of things going on. And rather than really recognizing that this environment can sometimes be hostile, or recognizing that, man, family is just really, really difficult. Or even when I've tried to talk about the scriptures in the past with my family, like that, that whole thing that Jesus says about a prophet is um, welcome everywhere except in his exactly. hometown. Um, I feel like that really does display itself perfectly in the family environment. And so, I mean, if, if you want to show love to your family, what's the best thing you can give yourself to? But the reading of the word um, and really just praying and asking that God would help open you up to loving your family better. Hmm. Um, That being said, uh, we want to just go through a couple of uh, verses in the Bible um, where it really just does discuss love well uh, in a family setting. So the first two um, are out of Ephesians 5. um, And we'll just touch on this briefly because I know like a lot of the people listening to this are students. Uh, A lot of the people listening to this aren't married. And so uh, we, we feel like we should touch on this for just a moment, but we don't want to camp out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is Ephesians 5, 22 and 25. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that that can seem for a lot of people like contentious, like mm-hmm. wives submit. Oh, geez. Like I, <laughs> our uh, 2020 filters turn on mm-hmm. and we're just like, man, we can't use words like submissive. That's, that's oppressive. Um, that's putting like, that, that's not the point here. I mean, even if you like, first off, uh, the verse directly preceding that actually tells all Christians to submit to one another in love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then gives us like a specific example of that, that mm-hmm. wives would submit to their husbands um, as they do to the Lord. And then directly after that, when it's talking about what the husbands do, what does it say that they should do? They should be willing to die for their wives, not just in physical death, but really that in all ways they should be willing to give up their preferences, their desires, their everything for the sake of the love of their wives. Mm. Um, there is respect anticipated, desired, and requested and commanded from the Bible to wives, to their husbands. And I think like oftentimes when, when the Bible gives us a, a directive, it's because we're bad at something. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I'm going to say something maybe a little contentious. Sometimes wives aren't very good at respecting their husbands. Why? The fall. That is a curse from the very beginning. Hmm. Um, and 
Husbands are told to love their wives. Why? Because they're not very good at that either. And being a husband, I can tell you that that's the truth. Very often, I need to remind myself that I am commanded to love my wife, Allie. Um, and that it can't just be a product of my affections toward her. Because um, affections can grow hot and cold in season. But actually, I need to rest in the very commandment of the Lord to love her. Um, it's uh, it's kind of like that. I... I don't always like you, but I always love you, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> I may not always like you, but at least I always love you. Right, yeah, I think so, yeah. I, I think that that Vody Bauckham quote that you said earlier, Jimmy, that's perfect, because I think, like, oftentimes Christians can really focus and dial in on the covenant part, like, man, I am choosing to love you. Um, but it's not like G- Jesus died for us, and then he has this cold covenant love towards us. Mm-hmm. No, but actually the Bible describes him as being gentle and lowly towards us. Mm-hmm. That his uh, compassion is for us. His pity is for mm-hmm. us. Um, and so I think even when we consider what does our love look like from wives to husbands and husbands to wives, it's not just a choosing affection. It is a motive. It, there, is, mm-hmm. there is desire there as well. But when the desire is failing, there is that covenant as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but both are so important. Um, so going on a little bit, uh, we'll look at 1 John three sixteen to 18. It says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Um, yeah, and I think that, uh, I don't think that that is specifically saying our physical brothers and sisters, but I don't think it's saying less than that either. I, I heard somebody talking recently about um, loving our neighbors, and we've talked about that a little bit already, but what does it mean to love our neighbors? It means everybody including our neighbors. (laughs) Um, And I think that we can often miss that. Like, actually, I need to be reaching and loving and caring for my physical, actual neighbors. Um, Just as I I need to be actually really, like, I have a little sister. And I got to be honest, I do a very poor job loving her very often. Um, I don't lay my life down for her. Um, Usually when I think of my sister, the first word that pops into my mind is annoying. Um, and that's that's not like I mean we can chuckle about it, I but hope at the she's same listening time, right yeah, that's yeah, she's on this podcast. I'm sorry, Kinsey. I'm so sorry. Um, but that's that's my fault. That is my bad, um, and that is my lack of love. I really think like what should be the the thing that I'm considering when I think about my parents, when I think about my brother, when I th- I don't have a brother, when I think about my sister, my physical actual sister. Um, it really should be. How can I display the love of Christ? How can I lay down my life for them? Um, Okay, so moving on, we have Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, which says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction or admonition of the Lord. Um, So children have a responsibility to obey their parents. Um, And if you look at the Ten Commandments, all of them are just do, do not, do, do not, do, do not. And then 
when it comes to honoring your father and mother, it actually says that there's a promise associated with it, that mm-hmm. you'll have long life and mm-hmm. you'll dwell in the... That, that's crazy that actually, like, we are promised blessing because we honor our parents. Um, but on the flip side of that, also, our parents are instructed to not exasperate us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's so important to teach your children obedience, but we don't do that with a stick or a rod of iron um, but instead, we, it, well, we don't do it with a carrot either. I think that that's, that's most of the way that uh, parents care for their children. It's either with a rod of iron or it's with a carrot. Do this and I'll give you a cookie. Do this and I'll hit you with a switch. And I think that there is a sense in which, like, man, our, if we have children, like our children should be obedient for the sake of love for us. Mm-hmm. And I should want to pour out affection and cookies and whatever on my children because of the love that I have for them. But the relationship between a parent and a child is really meant to be more like a shepherd and a sheep. Like, man, I'm going to care for you. I'm going to protect you. And sometimes that does mean that the rod needs to come against you. Like sometimes, like I just need to whack your head out of the poison water. And because sheep aren't that bright. Um, I'm not that bright. And I definitely wasn't that bright when I was a kid. And sometimes like, man, my, my parents needed to be harsh towards me, um, but harsh for the sake of love. Um, and I think that that's something that we can very often miss. Um, so all of that being said, we're going to land on Colossians 3.13, uh, which says, bear with each other or bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Um, I mean, like, how, how many of us need to hear that when it comes to our family? Mm-hmm. I think that with our friends, you know, it's really easy to talk things out, mm-hmm. to get past an argument, and to move right along. But with our families, those grudges, they just they seep into our bones. Mm-hmm. And I think it's often sometimes because we, we have this anticipation and assumption towards our families that they should act and behave in very specific ways towards us. And whenever mm-hmm. that expectation isn't met, man, like... You're dead to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so destructive. Mm-hmm. Not only is it destructive, but it is not love. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the Bible says a really good word to us here. Um, you know, to bear with each other ju- doesn't mean that we just put up with each other. It actually means that we have to carry one another's burdens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's ridiculous. That's, mm-hmm. That is counterintuitive. That's like, man, mm-hmm. my... my my mom and my dad and my stepdad and my sister, they have issues. And what I'm supposed to do is never talk to them and stay in Louisville the rest of my life and never go home because they kind of get on my nerves. No. <laughs> well, but what I'm supposed to do is love them with the very love of Christ and bear with them. Mm. Um, and that doesn't, that doesn't come with a promise of that they will be kind to me. That doesn't come with the promise of they will love me in return. But that's not biblical love either. Um, you know, the Lord even says, when we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Mm-hmm. Or in Isaiah 35, where it's describing this beautiful recreation of the world. What does it say about God's people when he brings them in? Even if they are fools, he will bring them. Um, and when I consider myself, I'm very often faithless. And I'm very often a fool. 
And so for me to assume that my parents, that my whole family should just always be drowning me with exactly the type of love that I desire, or man, they're just really shepherd me, shepherding me in the word of God, that is so unfair to them. Um, so I think even for, for you guys, when, when you're going home um, during this Thanksgiving break, or really just anytime you're interacting with your family, keep this in mind. That love is truly, is coming from God. Um, and if you're not living out of that love, then you're going to fail miserably at loving your family well. Um, but if you love your family well, actually there's no promise. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that there is a promise. Other than you will be displaying Christ. Um and that's enough. Yeah, it's a sacrificial love, right? It's unconditional. Yeah. Um, it's not self-seeking. Yeah, that's really good. Thank you for your vulnerability, John. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah and you reminded me in something that you said of a really powerful quote I heard at one point, which is that um, <clears throat> the death of love is expectation. Mm, wow. Mm. Which is to say that uh, generally you see uh, and it was in specifically to like relationships, um, but you start to see uh, where those issues creep up, uh, especially between between a man and wife or uh, you know a boyfriend girlfriend that sort of situation because you come into it with an expectation of how yep. things could be, and it may not be a bad expectation. You may have an expectation of the way your date is going to go that night that it'll be great, hmm. um, and that you know whatever it may be, um, and then you know, your, your uh, meal comes out a little burned and you didn't expect that. And now all of a sudden there's all sorts of issues. And anyways, all that to say, we need to put away expectations. We need to not um, think through exactly what presents we're going to get and how the food will be when we go home right. to our parents and whatever we may have this holiday season, you know, on the drive home and instead be excited about uh, the fact that we get to be home and love those people um, and yeah. just be in their presence um, and display that, that life of Christ and not have the expectation with it. Yeah. yeah, and I think that there there is some slight biblical precedence for maybe not expectation, but striving. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever we look at, even in Ephesians 5, where it says, wives submit to your husbands, or husbands love your wives. Well, if I'm reading that, you know, it's not like whenever I read it that the, the portion that's directed towards wives is just somehow smudged out, and then I just get to the portion that's directly about me. No, like, I, I know because of the scripture that wives are supposed to submit to their husbands. And so there is, in one sense, a biblical call for expectation on them. Mm-hmm. Like, I shouldn't be expecting that they're always going to do that perfectly and then berate them when they don't. Mm-hmm. But lovingly, like even helping, this sounds so weird to say, but even lovingly helping my wife to submit to scripture, mm-hmm. that would then help her to submit to me is a loving thing. So I, and I think that you're probably going to mention this proverb as well, Mitchell. Um, but in, in Proverbs 27, it talks about faithful are the arrows of a friend and profuse mm-hmm. are the kisses of an enemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so there, there is a sense in which, man, sometimes we've got to hurt to love. Uh, and so mm-hmm. sometimes, man, we do actually have to kind of lovingly hurt our family like man whenever I shared the gospel with my dad um, that was a hard conversation um, because I was saying something that was 
breaking against part of his worldview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or should I say his worldview is breaking against the gospel. Mm. Um, and so I, I think that there is a sense in which, man, like stepping into Thanksgiving, stepping into Christmas, stepping into these environments where we're constantly around our families doesn't mean that we should just submit to let's just have a comfortable time. Um, because I think that that's how it can come across. But, mm. but lo- love is not primarily saying be comfortable. Mm. It's primarily saying submit to the one who is love. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that does have, if not expectation, at least striving associated. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't just say to only lay around watching a bunch of endless Christmas movies and Although. refusing. No, I mean, listen, my family does that too. But, also, but, but not using that as a way to avoid entering yeah. into some of these harder conversations yeah. John's talking about. So just wanted to note that. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, John, and for being so deep and, uh, yeah, for being a part of the podcast for this specific part. So that's all you're, you're, all, you're done now. You don't, you can't talk anymore. Sounds that's, good. John's right. done. John's done. John's done. John is done. Wow. That was, wow. That, <laughs> every pun with my last name is so cheap. I know. Yeah. You've probably never heard that before, have you? No, it's yeah. never happened. No, I and also I was kidding. You can certainly share for the rest of the book. <laughs> I mean, clearly I'm very long-winded, so maybe I should be a little quieter. <laughs> <laughs> you are totally fine. It's it's all good because uh, we're gonna move into talking a little bit about loving friend groups now, and uh, this is the easy one, right? So yep. Ah, uh, too too bad. Jokes on all of you. Friendship, got... the ship that never sinks. <laughs> Just kidding. Sometimes <laughs> I think that, I don't even know where I heard that. Friends, maybe I'm not sure. Uh, oh man. <laughs> How do, we, oh, yeah, how do we come back from that? <laughs> <laughs> the, the transition's broken. We're done. No. Um, yeah, this is this is the easy one though, right? Like I give myself the part of the podcast with no preparation. It's pretty great, right? Uh, except for not really, uh, because when we think about loving our friends, that that can take a special kind of love sometimes, right? Like loving enemies is is pretty straightforward because you basically just treat them the exact opposite of how you want to treat them all the time, right? <laughs> like that's how you're supposed to do that. Just be exactly opposite of what you really deeply wish you could do to your enemies. Uh, and loving family isn't too bad because it's, you know, kind of like partly genetic to love your mom or dad or yeah. brother or sister. But your friends, you, you love them deeper than almost anyone because you had to choose to love them. And yet sometimes that makes you really eager uh, to want to spend almost too much time together, to really just jump in and do everything. And then, you know, those little things that made Dave kind of quirky end up being those little things that make Dave the most annoying person you have ever met. I hate Dave. Man. The worst. <laughs> and I picked Dave because I don't really know any Dave. Uh, Buster's right way better. I, they can't <laughs> Buster, all right. Oh, my gosh. Wow, Woo! I got the jokes too, Lauren. Yes, I love it. <laughs> Keep them coming, man. <laughs> So, yeah, sometimes, you know, we get caught up thinking only about what our friends can do for us uh, and not the other way around. And I think this even goes back to the point of of our family, too. Um, We get caught up sometimes thinking about only what other people can do for us and not what we can do for them. And uh, I know we've highlighted this verse before, but for me, it's... it's, uh, well, it's it's one of my favorites. For Lauren, I think it's it is your my favorite, ultimate favorite, ultimate yep. favorite uh, verse, which is John fifteen, uh, twelve to thirteen. It says, "My command is this: love each other as I have loved you." And then it says, "Greater love has no one than this: to lay down one's life for one's friends." Um, and 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 I just love this verse because uh, it 
it works on so many different levels. And I actually had uh, done a, le- a, a speech at a leadership conference one time using this verse and kind of just asked everybody, okay, if you, how many of you in this room would be willing to lay down your life for anyone else in this room? And everybody got really uneasy. No hands like, raised, right? No hands raised. <laughs> they were looking at me like, this man's going to light up a bomb in this Heard room right now. What is this? Yeah, it was like really concerning for them. Um, but then you kind of go on to explain what that actually means. Like what lay down one's life. I'm, I was like, immediately I was like, I'm not asking you to die for anybody. This is not about dying for people. This is about putting aside the things that you want for, uh, for your friends, for your family, for the people that you love. Um, it's about taking, taking everything that you have in your hands, because we think about carrying around the weight of your own world in your hands and about putting that down so you can pick up the weight of somebody else's. Um, and that's what it is to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then I asked the question again, so how many of you would be willing to lay down your life for people in this room? And they all raised their hand. It was great um, because you have a deeper understanding for what that actually means. Um, and I really like too. So we go on the next couple of verses there um, that don't, that, that follow immediately after that. Uh, John 14 to 17 says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Uh, and this is, so Jesus, to be clear, um, is, is speaks. So you are my friends if, I do, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command love each other. Um, and I love this because again, uh, this is Jesus speaking here. And so for me, this, this has a lot of different layers. First of all, um, and I guess he's not speaking directly to us, but in a way, like we are Jesus friends. That's yeah. kind of cool. That is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he's talking to the disciples here, but like, yeah, pretty dope. Jesus is calling us <laughs> friends. Um, which is kind of cool. Um, Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Old, dumb song. Never mind. Just, just Would you on. like to sing the rest of it for us? We love that. I mean, it just... Jesus is a friend of mine. I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> if you had done that sounding like Stitch, I no. think that would have really brought it full circle. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes, Jesus is a friend of ours. And that's fantastic. <laughs> and what that means, too, is that, like, again, we have an example here about how do we love our friends in the same way that Jesus loved us, Um, which goes back to the other verse, you know, greater love has no one to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus literally laid down his life for his friends um, in that he died to take on our sins. Um, But we have an example there, um, which makes it very easy when we're thinking about uh, following, you know, following an example, how do we love our friends? Um, Another thing that I love about this is that he mentions how he has shared everything that he's learned from his father. He has made known to his friends. Um, and this goes back to some of the other verses we talked about too, where it's like we bear with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything that we have with your friends, you will share. Um, so to love, to love your friends is to completely be a part of their lives. Um, to, yeah, to make everything known about your life and to know everything about their life. Um, and which is like scary to confide. I know for some people, probably scary to have that level of intimacy with people. Um, but it's so important because ultimately then it is so that we can go and bear fruit and for our relationship with God and our friendship with Jesus and God, that's bearing fruit for his word. Um, 
but you know ultimately it's bearing witness through our friendships with others as well to the love that God has given us that we have love for others that that is a fruit to bear forward as well yeah I think I mean I don't, just to jump in here real quick this is one of my favorite verses ever because it also like it, it shows so much has so many layers like you said um, but one of the layers is it, it shows us also how to be a friend because he says right here, I don't longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father I have made known to you. So one takeaway from that as many is friends, friends not only don't have secrets. I mean, that's kind of like normal, but friends also know each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like actually, and like, you know, I think a really good example is like, you know, how many friends do you have? Like, do you know if they believe in God or not? Do you know what their view on this or that is? Like, do you know them? Do you know, like, what their goals in life are? And, like, you know, like, like, do you actually know your friends? Because if you don't, like, then what are they? I think I think that's also why this, this like, talking about friends and loving them. One way to love them is to know them and to make yourself known to them. But that requires, like you said, being vulnerable and talking. And, yeah, and, I'm gonna, yeah. So we love C.S. Lewis. I know we bring him up a lot, but like, yeah, my, one of my favorite quotes that he has, and it's in his book that he, where he wrote about those four different types of love that Jimmy has referenced. But he says, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Like, if there's no vulnerability, there's no true display of love. And if you think about it, we said earlier, God is love. God did the most vulnerable, humble thing he could by coming down to earth in the form of a human baby and living a perfect life only to die the most humiliating death that one could on the cross like he was ultimately vulnerable and that's the example of love that we have and how to lay down our lives for one another absolutely and that's huge too that's something that uh some of the resources that i got for this section were from the uh from crew online there's uh, a couple of uh links that we'll kind of put either in the, probably in the description for this podcast. But if you go on crew and search for friendship, uh, you'll be able to find them as well. Um, and that's one thing that, I mean, I can speak to, uh, personally being a, a guy, um, that, uh, Can't relate. yeah, <laughs> so sorry, Lauren, don't mean to exclude you from this part of the podcast, but that's no, okay. you can certainly jump in. But yeah, um, one of the things that is often missing, uh, in a lot of the mainstream culture and in, um, the development of, uh, you know, friendships and relationships for guys is that vulnerability. Mm. Um, is that like we have to be tough? Um, a lot of relationships just kind of develop because of, um, you know, whatever. Uh, we both play or, football. Yeah, so exactly. We're friends. Like, exactly. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you're not on the team anymore, and you don't talk to that person ever again. Yep. And it's like, <laughs> what happened? Well, there wasn't a vulnerability. There wasn't a deep relationship connected. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know those resources. Um, that talk about that talk that the most impactful relationships come from that vulnerability um and i got i got a book from my friend john hello yeah <laughs> um, today which is the disciplines of a godly man and so i won't pretend to have read it yet because i just got it today um but i did flip <laughs> through it and there's some resources in there talking about it as well so certainly check that book out i know jimmy you've i have read it. it it is amazing if you are a man or you want to call yourself a man and like follow god <laughs> Distance of a Godly Man is is a need book. I just think it, it's a it's a great place to start as far as like what is a man um, and how should men act um, and carry themselves and 
So yeah, definitely pick up Disciplines of a Godly Man. Yeah. And I'll just Solid insert, book. if you're not a man like myself, <laughs> there's a great resource called Women of the Word by Jen Wilkin. And I'll just leave that there. Okay. Or it's also Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Okay, I could have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> not even kidding, that's a real thing. Awesome. But this book has an entire section on relationships being all sorts of relationships, friendships, you know, I mean, relationships from, you know, marriage, but then also family, friendships, all of those things, um, yeah. which feeds right into everything you're talking about. Um, and one other incredible resource, uh, if you want to just generally be wise or um, learn a lot more as well about friendship and those sorts of things is, of course, the Bible. Um, but specifically the book of Proverbs, um, when I was looking through verses about friendship, uh, the majority of the list came from Proverbs, it seemed like, yeah. so, which was fantastic. And I'll read a couple of them um, because I think they're really powerful. Um, Proverbs twelve twenty six: The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Mm-hmm. Uh, Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Mm-hmm. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: One who has been unre- one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Um, I think all of these are so powerful because, yeah, we're supposed to love our friends. Um, we're supposed to love the people that we are friends with. But again, as I said at the beginning, we also choose our friends to an extent. And... Uh, we want to make sure that we choose the right friends mm-hmm. to love. Um, not that we shouldn't love our enemies, um, but it's okay to have your enemies also kind of be enemies and friends be friends. And like, that's different, right? Mm-hmm. Like to really love a friend, we want to choose the right friends mm-hmm. because they're going to be the iron that sharpens iron, the person that makes or breaks us as well yeah. uh, to some extent. And Jesus modeled that too, right? Because mm-hmm. even though he would often go and preach to the masses, people along the way, he did specifically choose 12 disciples to really know and walk intimately with for them to learn from him. But even within that, he had t- like two to three that were even in his closer circle that he, yeah, yeah which which one was named John who called himself the beloved one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, which is key, like, yeah, again, he had 12, and then even then, within two to three, um, yeah, I mean, we certainly don't have the capacity as much to <laughs> as many as 12 people. Like, choose a group of friends that, mm-hmm. um, I think, what what is it? You can have, like, three to five really good friends. Really is that what the psychology them. is? And then besides that, you start to... Uh, then you start to spread yourself too well, thin. Yeah, Invest in the, the good friendships. Yeah, well, you have to be careful, too, because, I mean, I don't know if this is the same study you're thinking of, but I've read that um, you become, on average, the five people you spend most of your time with. Mm. You become like them. So, again, so choose carefully. Mm. Choose wisely. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to start to, yeah, that's one of the verses said, that lest you become ensnared. Like, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. want to have good influences. People are going to encourage you and equip you in the faith, steer you to love and good works, not mm. people who are going to draw you further away from God. And be that friend for your friends. That's you right, yes. Of, uh, Don't be somebody drawing people away from God. <laughs> yes, yes. You are a part of someone else's group of five, so yep. make sure that you're That's great. Uh, one of the ones bringing them up. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. This has been a pretty heavy-duty episode, but hey, we're talking about love, and love is God, and both of those are pretty complicated. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So now we're gonna we're gonna hit you with the lightning round, just get these quick ones and just really kind of hit some main points and some simple answers. Maybe it's like, okay, but what about this? Is is what is this then? And we're gonna hit that right now. It's the lightning round. I am so good. <laughs> at lightning round. Yes. All right. So to start off, uh, number one. So should believers withhold their love from our enemies just because they're our enemies? No. All right. Okay. So question two: Is it okay to have frenemies? Jimmy, what's a frenemy? <laughs> <laughs> Glad you asked, Lauren. Uh, we all know what a friend of me. The person with whom you you're friendly with, you're nice to them, but you but basically like hate baby. them. Yeah, yeah, you basically hate them, but you'll be nice to them in public. That's a friend of me. Is it okay to have one of those? No. no. Uh, yeah. No. Listen, 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 listen. We read it earlier. Romans twelve nine says, "Let love be genuine." Okay, and so to be a friend of me, that sounds pretty like fake and inauthentic to me. It doesn't yeah. seem like genuine love. Well, I think it depends on how you define what a frenemy is. Like, we just define what just a frenemy is. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know. But I just, I'm, hear me out for a second. Okay, so you've got like a frenemy can be like, so it says a person with whom one is friendly despite a fundamental dislike or rivalry. Now, like, I think that we could read that and be like, okay, so if we're not to have frenemies, then we can't be in the world and of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that there is a there is a sense in which like man I've got a I've got a friend that I have really deep really hard discussions with he's an atheist mm-hmm. uh, has the complete opposite ideology from me on almost everything and is in that sense an opponent to me he is in mm-hmm. a sense an enemy of me but is also a friend to me mm-hmm. um, and so I think that. But that's that's. But do you that, genuinely different. love him though, as a friend? Yeah. So, so is he actually a friend of me then? You, you, I mean, he's a friend who believes differently than you. Right. But you care for him genuinely, not like in a fakey way. Right. Yeah. No, I'm saying like a fake, authentic. That's bad. But right. I'm saying like yeah. one, one who is like genuinely my friend. Okay. But is also in many ways like genuinely at least you could say an enemy of God. Okay. That, that, um, uh, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That's, sorry. I just, but, well, no, that's good You completely derailed the point of the uh, lightning round. But, <laughs> but I think you have a really good point. And yes, so, no, so thank absolutely. you, John. So lightning round, they can disagree with you, you can be friends, but fake love, all that fake stuff where you talk bad about them behind their back. God sees right through it. That's yes. not just remember yes. that. All right, but going on, number three, so love our enemy, but who is our real enemy? Because mm-hmm. someone like to say, like, okay, so we're supposed to love Satan, right? He's our enemy. We're supposed to love our enemy, so, like, we love Satan, right? But Ooh. So, like, are we supposed to love Satan, guys? Uh-uh. Nope. No. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, Satan is uh, also known as the devil, uh, mm-hmm. if you were aware Um but yeah, no, it, he is uh, the the opposite of everything. John ten ten, for example, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, and that's Jesus again there, um, the opposite of Jesus, yeah, uh, of, of Satan, yeah. Yeah, I think that also goes wrong. It's like you know, we we actually fight against principles and powers that be, not flesh and bone. Like you know, the Bible talks about like you know, the ultimate enemy, enemy is Satan. All mm-hmm. right, so number four um, is. Okay, yes, we did that. Number five. So, what about our attitude towards, like, people who are, like, quote-unquote actually evil, like, dictators and, like, seriously, like, we, we're not supposed to love them, are we? Like, like how, how, how should I feel towards people like that? You should pray for them. Mm. Share the gospel with them. Yeah. 
and actually hold them accountable, uh, like seeking justice, mm-hmm. but knowing that ultimate vengeance is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and like we all, we, there's always those stories of people like that coming to Christ, and mm-hmm. so yeah. knowing that you, without Christ, you and that person are just as separated from God, right. um, and understanding that. Uh, number six, so real quick, what is love? What is love? Baby, don't <laughs> hurt me. <laughs> don't uh, love is God. We talked about that. Yeah, uh, Jesus is our example of love. Uh, we find that in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8, where it says, Love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So mm, That's so cool to think about. Not only is that love, but that is God. That God is never ends. Of, God is oh. love. Love never ends. Wow. Yeah. Well, y'all, love might never end, but this podcast will. will. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> so that's it. That's episode seven. Um, well, thank you all for listening. It's... Uh, you know, it's a bitter end, but quotations around to end. We're going to have more coming down the pipe. But we uh, do thank you for uh, tuning in this fall semester. And stay tuned for hopefully another one coming out next month, maybe even two during the Christmas season. And I uh, um, want to appreciate you all for coming out this fall, listening to the Luke New podcast. Yeah, and if you're interested in even deeper discussions about this question that we've addressed or any other Christian topics, please reach out to us. Uh, search for Crew Campus Ministry at KentuckianaCrew.org. You can send us an email or a note on anchor.fm slash you, or find us on social media at uh, Louisville Crew. And any one of the student leaders will be available to get a coffee, uh, free coffee or donut on us. Yes, a free coffee or a free treat. Um, so we can't wait for you all to yeah reach out, flood the inboxes. Yeah, as always, I want to close up uh, with a shout out to Noah Wilder for editing uh, of course, to my fellow hosts here today, uh, Laura Bear- Lauren and Jimmy, and of course, John, our first hey. ever guest, yeah. uh, and then Alexis Begum, who could not be with us, uh, but is uh, hopefully staying he- safe and healthy, we pray for her, uh, and her contributions to the outline of this podcast. Uh, I'll shout out as well to Garrett Metz for our theme music, and of course, glory to God for his provision in creating the opportunities for this podcast to become a reality. I hope everybody stays safe out there. Enjoy the holidays and have a blessed week. What is love?